0: The streak is over. For the first time in almost a month, the West Virginia men's basketball team was able to get a victory. Hear all about that, as well as looking at Bob Huggins' legacy, in the BlueGoldSports.com podcast. What's going on, everyone? Wesley Shoemaker, Aaron Parker, back with you on the BlueGoldSports.com podcast. The winning ways are back in Morgantown, West Virginia wins a game which they controlled from the start to the finish against Iowa State on Tuesday, breaking a seven game losing streak. And more importantly than anything, the Mountaineers were able to put a complete game together from start to finish. Obviously, big news started before the game, the return of Taz Sherman, as well as a few lineup shakeups, which we will get into, but Taz and company did come out. The offense was phenomenal, shooting 50% from the floor in the win, and Aaron, how good does it feel to finally be talking about a win with this ball club?
1: It was great. This team has been struggling. They've had a couple games where they deserved to win. They just couldn't get over the hump, so it felt like it was never going to happen again, really. So um, it feels good to, to be talking about the Mountaineers when, you know, the context is not like why did they lose and stuff like that. This is a good game. Um, Iowa State's a good team, but they didn't show they didn't show me a whole lot yesterday. That's a game that the Mountaineers absolutely had to win. Texas Tech was must win, but Texas Tech is really good. Iowa State didn't show me all that much. So I'm glad the Mountaineers came out to play yesterday.
0: Yeah, for me, I really enjoyed seeing an offense that didn't constantly struggle to find points. I think it got started early. You saw back-to-back three-pointers on West Virginia's first two possessions. And then you kind of saw things snowball from there. Um, I really liked how West Virginia never seemed to be in a at a point in the game where they were worrying about losing. I feel like they were able to play fast. They were able to get in space, they were able to play their own game rather than having to react and play the Iowa State's game.
1: Yeah, I agree. They got out to, to an early lead. That's what – they haven't done that a whole lot lately. I know they took an eight-point lead in the half in Waco against Baylor, but they really set the tone out early. Um, I like the lineup change um, with – Hugs Young with Kobe Johnson and Polly Polycap. Polly just gives you that energy. I know he hasn't been great all season. He struggled in Big 12 play. But everybody else has, so why not? He gets the the students into it. I think he played a good game, and the Mountaineers got a lot from Seth Wilson early. It's great to see him drive, take it to the hoop, um, and then that opens up his jumper, and his jumper looks good. So um, the way they start, I think, really dictated the game.
0: Yeah, going to the lineup changes. Obviously, for those who don't know, Bob Huggins changed his lineup, and. He's been talking about making changes. He's been talking about getting new guys in the game, and he finally did that uh, on Tuesday. You saw the starting five for the Mountaineers go Kobe Johnson, Taz Sherman, Sean McNeil, and then you had Jalen Bridges and Paulie Polakap as your two forwards. I think Paulie was more effective than Kobe, but I wouldn't say Kobe was not effective. I think West Virginia has a true point guard in Kobe Johnson that they don't have in Keatrian Johnson or Malik Curry. I think Malik is more of a driver of the basketball. And I think Keaty is more of a score first rather than pass first. I think Kobe can really initiate, settle and and like get into offense and get into sets compared to the other point guards. And I do think Pauly provided something you didn't see. He played 16 minutes, one of two from the field um finished only two points but he was all over the place he was doubling he was going back and forth he was getting up and down in transition you saw your bigs running yesterday um and he just seemed to have an energy with him on the floor and to have that enthusiasm and to play hard and to go after loose balls and I think for a team that's been searching for so much for so much effort and for over the last two games you've gotten that effort it was good to see that effort finally get rewarded with a victory
1: Yeah, absolutely. It was. I like the way Polycat played. Uh, I think there was one play where, uh, towards the end of the middle of the second half or something like that, uh, he got a block or he scored and then he slapped a four, but then he he gave up a layup. But outside of that, Polycat played good. Um, Kobe Johnson, yeah, I like what I saw of him. You know, he hit a three and he only took two shots. I still need to see more of him about your point of being a true point guard. I think he could be. Um, He just hasn't got all the minutes to where he showed us his point guard capabilities. But like you said, you know, Malik gets downhill. He's not really, you know, all that much of a passer and Keady's kind of score first on some days, but it was good to see that. And um, guys like Keedy, I know Keady, he went full out um, diving for a ball on the floor. I just haven't seen much of that from the Mountaineers this year. And I know Huggins has not been happy with that. So it's good to see them um, get on the floor and dive for loose balls.
0: Yeah, I think after the game, Huggins kind of talked about how He's been looking for guys to instead of reach for the ball, dive for the ball and he said he was very happy and very it was it was good to see his guys go after the ball. I think another thing that you can kind of, if you just want to look at stats is the way West Virginia shot the ball and then the way West Virginia defended since conference play uh, in big 12 play, the Mountaineers had only been shooting 38% just above from the field. They shot an even 50%, what 22, 44 from the field, 10 of 20 from beyond the arc. That's exactly what you want. Like if you can find that 40 to 50% Uh, range from the field in most of your games, you're going to give yourself a chance to win. And also West Virginia had been allowing its opponents to shoot 43% from the field. And they only allowed Iowa state to shoot just under 38% from the field. So if you're looking at averages, if you're looking at numbers, West Virginia wins that battle. And I think that's a reason why it's because they were finally able to, they were able to figure out their offense and on and on defense, they were, I wouldn't say Iowa state, shot the ball badly i'd just say west virginia forced them into a lot of tough shots i think they forced them into shooting shots at the end of the shot clock they forced them into three pointers but not close three pointers they were three four steps beyond the arc and i think we can when you do that you're gonna have to live with it like if you can force a team to take a shot with less than five seconds on the shot clock or if you force a team to take a tough three-pointer and they beat you all right we can live with that
1: yeah yeah Yeah, that's kind of been the story of the year is how WV has at some points not been able to put the ball in the hoop. And the more frustrating part is how wide open they leave guys on defense and how easy it is for opponents to score. They did a good job. one, gave up 63 yesterday. A talented guy in Brockington. He only had 11 points or something like that. Didn't really shoot the ball that effectively. I know Tyrese Hunter kind of went off. I kind of predicted that one. Um, He's a good freshman, but he had 22, but he turned the ball over six times you'll take that all day. And then the rest of the starters combined for two points. That's good defense. And yeah, it was pretty hard to believe the Mountaineers like put the ball in the basket. They shot 50% from the field yesterday. And like they've been doing, they've been doing pretty good from the the charity stripe as well. So it was good to see guys like um like Seth Wilson, like uh, I think Sean went three for three from beyond the arc and Taz. I mean, you got to give Taz a lot of credit. Um, Taz is coming off a concussion and immediately goes out there and, and scores, what what he score? 16? three or five beyond the art. That's a good game. And he, he just came off injury. So um, he deserves a lot of credit.
0: Yeah. The one thing for Tash Sherman is this was his third concussion. He said, he said he dealt with one in high school, dealt with one his first year at West Virginia, super early on in the year, but that his symptoms were worse than they'd ever been for a concussion. Obviously I'm not a doctor and I really don't know the science behind a concussion. So I'm not going to act like I do here, but when you're a guy who is a athlete and you have to rely upon moving fast, moving quick, making quick decisions, passing, shoot, like when you're playing a game like basketball and you have all those quick decisions, I think when you have a concussion, it can kind of play mind games with you while also you're physically unable to do anything. Like he said, he struggled with seeing light. He struggled with concentrating, with reading, with watching things like those things that we all just take for granted, it seems he was struggling with. And I think as the team said, when he, when he got cleared to play, Huggins said it was kind of, we could all kind of breathe a sigh of relief. We all kind of were like, okay. And we could settle in. I think everyone was more on edge about Taz's health and hoping that he can be okay. And I think him coming back kind of relaxed everyone. Sure. It certainly relaxed this offense. It looked like, and It led to a West Virginia win, which they badly needed.
1: Yeah, having Taz in that lineup is huge. I mean, I you know, listen to his uh post game from last night, you know, just like you said, you take stuff like that for granted. When he was down on the four down at Waco, he's just kind of like looking up at the basket, see if he could see it it and everything.
0: Then he he went out. So he said
1: Yeah, he he was like, Yeah, yeah. That's 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 bad injury. And for him to come back in like a week or so like that, score 16, make three threes. Um what you know, what he talked about and what Hugs talked about was just like his cardio and how he didn't want, he didn't want to overdo it and he wanted to get out when he needed to get out. So I think they played that smart. I think Taz was good in keeping himself disciplined and um, giving his team the best minutes he could possibly give last
0: night. Hopefully, Taz can get going and hopefully he kind of returns to form because last night, just, having four guys that can score double digits for you is a lethal is a lethal thing. And you had Sean, you had Taz, I think you had JB and then you had Malik. I think those are your four, four scores, if I'm not mistaken. Yeah. And so when you have that, it just brings another element because Malik, obviously he didn't go too great from the like, he didn't get his guy. He got his points at the line. He went to the line. And a lot of them came late and I got to give Malik his props that this team For the first half of the year, the one thing everyone said was a glaring weakness was free throw shooting, free throw shooting, free throw shooting. And since conference play, I think this team, I'm not sure of this exact statistic, but I think this team has to be one of the best free throw shooting teams in the conference. And I think they worked on it. I think they heard their coach yell and scream and complain that these guys aren't working on it and we need them to work on it. And they got better at it. And I think that is a positive going forward and i think if you're going to want to go anywhere and if you're going to want to make the tournament i think having being able to rely on your free throw shooters to step up to the line late um is a big deal
1: yeah earlier in the year watching that yukon game pulling off that upset how many free throws did that team miss i i in that, in that night, I thought, okay, this is going to be another awful W free throw shooting team. Here we go. There's been other holes. Obviously they lost seven straight games in a good conference, but free throw shooting has been consistent. Um, I did a few weeks ago, Hugs talked about that, that drill that they used to do where um, they'd be doing free throws while fatigued, and somebody would be in their face. I think that's been, um, that's been paying off for them, especially guys like Malik and, and JB. JB's really worked at it. Um, Talking about Malik getting to the line yesterday, a lot of his points did come from the line, and I thought he got to the line very good down the stretch. Um, he would like he would drive, and he'd always find a body of an Iowa State defender. And I don't think Iowa State did a very good job of, you know, like last two three minutes when they need a stop and then they need a, a quick score. They would um, they'd foul Malik pretty early in the shot clock and then go down and hoist up a bad shot. I don't think Iowa State played that one out very well, but Malik did a good job of getting them off balance. So credit to Malik.
0: Yeah, Malik kind of controlled the game there down the stretch. He kind of – they would put the ball in his hands, which was an interesting change from a Taz, 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 no matter what, to, all right, we got a guy that we can go to. And I think that was a very pleasant surprise for the Mountaineers. One thing I want to get to is Seth Wilson. Obviously – you kind of touched on him a little bit, but Huggins has said, let's go, let's go make some changes. Let's get these freshmen in the game. He said Seth Wilson can shoot, Jamel King can shoot, Kobe Johnson can shoot. Kobe Johnson, three on the opening possession on the, I think opening or second possession. I can't remember if it was him or JB first um Seth Wilson comes in the game he goes on a 7-0 run by himself he's at the three-point line and he drives straight to the basket left hand layup I'm like all right and then he comes down next possession three next possession comes down little mid-range Shea forces an Iowa State timeout that was seven big points he got you kind of separate he gave you that separation that you were looking for gave you momentum put the crowd on their feet and I think they were, they've been searching for that all year, and it was so good to finally see someone step up that was not our normal three of Sean, Taz, and JB. Yeah,
1: it was so good to see, and I love the confidence because I've heard good things about Seth. Taz talked him up a lot. Um, other guys have talked him up. Huggs has, uh, you know, a lot of times. I, I above anything, loved his, his, his first bucket was his layup. He went in strong. He's got he's got strong shoulders, but I know he's not very tall. He went in with force and he got himself at the right angle. He didn't just throw up a layup and it happened to go down. He got himself in, in perfect position and just I don't know. We WV hasn't done that a whole lot, you know, guards, you know, take it to the hoop outside of Moy Curry and he kind of goes with the left, but you know, it was good to see that. And then the three pointer that just opens up his outside game. He's got a good a good shot. And the, the two-pointers, what surprised me, I was like, you know, it was right inside the, the three-point line. only guy that usually shoots that is Sean McNeil. So once I saw that that one go down, I was like, okay, he's got it tonight. And those seven points were huge. Um, that, that put Iowa State in a big hole early. It's hard for them to get out of it.
0: Yeah. I think that's the biggest thing with this team and with with this win is the way they were able to control Iowa State. So many times they have – this team has been down early. They've fought, they've clawed back. All right. They've gotten within two, three, four, five points. And then as soon as they do that, here comes a 14-0 run. Here comes a 10-3 to run. Here comes another eight-point lead. And at that point, once you overcome one eight-point lead, it's hard to keep overcoming eight-point leads over and over again. So it was really good to see them kind of lead the whole game. They never trailed, which was a sight to see. Also, this offense put, almost put up 80 points. It's the most points they put up since the beginning of conference play. That was also a good sight to see. And going back to your point of just finding separation, Iowa State kind of tried to get back in it, but West Virginia kept distancing themselves, and I think that was key. Iowa State would make a 6-0, 7-0 run here, but West Virginia would be right back with – couple buckets of their own. They would never let Iowa state get so close to where they felt they could come back. I feel like West Virginia, the whole game had a stranglehold on this, on this game.
1: Yeah. They, when they would lose a lead, it would just go down to eight or something like that. That's a good position to be in. And after each time they gave up, you know, kind of their lead, got it down to, you know, nine or eight points. They would either call a timeout or just get right down to it and start scoring. Um, You know, Maybe in previous games they would have let bigger leads than just like a little six or eight zero run. Mountaineers did a really good job with that because Iowa State made a few different runs, and you know if you would asked me, I would have probably said yeah one of those runs is going to end up being a 14, fourteen fifteen zero run, make it a three four point ball game, and it's a whole new ball game at that point. When when Iowa State's working and grinding, they get it down to nine. It's still not really a new ball game. You only need a couple more Mountaineer buckets, and then the Mountaineers are, are, you know, kind of rolling again. So WVU did a really good job of not letting it get out of hand and um, not letting it get to a stressful game. I'm not sure
0: if I am a prisoner of this team was just on a seven-game losing streak before last night, but when Iowa State cut it down to I think it was eight with about – five four minutes left i was i said to myself i said here we go again i thought it's going to be another mountaineer collapse and it'll it'll officially close the book on this season but they didn't and i think that was a big moment i think they knew their backs were against the wall um they're no longer in last place in the big 12 and i think although they're in second to last place there's still something to be said about not being in last place and about kind of starting to fight your way back, and who knows where they could take them.
1: Yeah, this conference is so good that, you know, being in ninth place, you're, you're, they're still not out of it. That's just that's pretty hard to fathom. It's such a great conference. It's such a gauntlet. Um, but, yeah, um, when, when they went on that run, I'm the same way. It's not just being a victim of this team. It's, it's watching it for years. And I was like, wow, you know, it, this team just over the, the losing streak has unfortunately found ways to lose. Um, not to say that they haven't played hard every game. There's been a couple games where they didn't even show up, but in the games that they should have won, they found a way to lose. But none of those games they had a stranglehold like they had a stranglehold on Iowa State last night. So at that four or five minute mark, they were like, you know, no, yeah, you know, they can have that little run, that little run, but it's not getting down past eight points. You know, so they did a really good job, and they wanted it. And um, they were just a better team last night. I don't think Iowa State – they're a good team, but you know, I'm not convinced that that if WV doesn't meet up with them another two times, if they play them in the Big 12 tournament, I don't know if WVU can – they might be able to steal another couple wins against them. I don't know.
0: Mountaineers are 14-9 and nine now. I think, I think if you get to 19 wins, you're a lock for the tournament. I think if you get to 18 wins, depending on who you beat – you have a good chance at making the tournament. And I think this team can go on the road and beat Iowa State. And I think you've got to beat either Kansas or Texas at home. And then you've got to find two wins elsewhere. And I think they can. It's just a matter of they've got to play like this over and over again. They've got to replicate this performance. They can't have this performance just be an anomaly. And I think that's going to be the biggest key is you've got two winnable games. You've got two games now against teams you've already beaten. Yes. They're going to be on the road. Yes. It's going to be the this Kansas state team you're going to play is going to be a little different. They're going to have their head coach. They're going to have a full roster, but I do think West Virginia winning just winning is going to give them at least some sort of confidence because If you think about it, these guys said last night after the game, they've never, no no one in that room had ever lost that many games in a row. And so if you think about it, if I'm a guy and I've always won my whole life, if I've always kind of been in control and kind of controlled my own destiny, and now I'm looking up and I'm like, well, crap, I'm in last place in, in a conference and I'm fighting for my tournament life and I'm fighting for my season right now. I think it kind of can make people force things, make people have too much pressure on themselves. I think just getting that first win out of the way, hopefully if you're a Mountaineer fan, hopefully if you're West Virginia, opens the floodgates to more opportunities.
1: Yeah, you'd hope so. It's such a tough conference, but two winnable games. You, you know, you've had two, two Big 12 wins up until last night, and they're against the two teams you're playing next, in you know, Oklahoma State and Kansas State. Here's the problem I have. Is just in previous years, even teams that were better than this team, they struggle on the road. Um, so it's hard to be like, okay, they beat Iowa State, shot fifty percent from the field. Well, on paper, they should beat Kansas State because they. Be, well, it's it's hard because my long
0: was the only road game against you? Their only road game that they won against UAB. Yep.
1: Yep. You're absolutely right. That was it. I was. I saw the stat the other day. I was like, who's the one win? They, they didn't win a, a road game um, in the Big 12 play, and they didn't. It was UAV. I forgot about that one. But, like, other teams, like, even, like, let's go back to 2018. Javon Carter senior year. Um, you can go Deuce McBride's freshman year with Oscar Shipway. Those teams were good. They would beat, like, Oscar Shibway, Deuce McBride's their first year. They, they beat Texas and TCU by 30, and they lost both of those games on the road. Um Devon Carter senior year was the same way they beat teams and then they go lose to them on the road so it's hard to be like you know okay well they beat Iowa State so mark that one down as a, as a W when they go to Ames it's just hard to do that because um, I've seen it too many times but you got two winnable games here Oklahoma State's got a losing record at this point and it's just WV's struggled to shut down Avery Anderson over the years so if they can do that then then boom you got two straight wins and then, and then they're looking up it's just going to be tough to do that though.
0: Speaking of Oklahoma State, last night they lost uh, to TCU 77-73. Oklahoma State is now 11 and 12 4 and 7 in conference play, I believe. Yep, and they so they said just just above or just a half game above West Virginia in the conference standings. Obviously, we'll touch on this again, but Oklahoma doesn't have a postseason to play for. So, they're just playing for pride school pride themselves at this point which can be dangerous but it can also be a good thing if you get catch them late in the season and they're like well we're not going anywhere so what's the point to play hard um I think West Virginia if they steal one of their next two I think that puts them in a really good spot if you I'm obviously we're way down the road here with this but say West Virginia wins the next two and they come home and they get Kansas at home on a Saturday night, they win that game. That'd be four straight wins, two on the road. And then you beat Kansas at your place. I mean, I think at that point you're in the tournament and I think at that point, there'd be a lot of hype and a lot of, okay, like let's look at this team as a contender instead of a pretender, at least in the big 12 conference tournament.
1: Yeah, I don't know how the next two games are going to play, but I'll tell you what, it's been the first time in a while I've been confident about it. Um, I'm usually not confident about, like, road games, especially with this team. But, you know, they're two winnable games. And if they would win both of those on road, or even, like, K-State, if they say they drop Oklahoma State and go beat K-State, that's going to make a big-time matchup for a Saturday Kansas game. And it's already sold out. It's a night game. That's big time. WV's had success in the Coliseum against against Kansas. Um, I just – I've watched Kansas. They're really, really good. I mean, they beat Iowa State by double digits on the road without a body. I, I can't hardly get over that. So, let's just say WV steals one or two on the road, and then they come back, play Kansas, play a great game, but then they lose a heartbreaker. You know, that's going to be a character tester because – 'Cause I can I can foresee that happening. And then you have to go play Iowa State and TCU on the road. Um, that's further down the road, but like I can definitely see Kansas being a, a heartbreak type game where they're so close and they just Kansas is just simply better. But I'm not, not sure.
0: Yeah, watching Kansas this week, I watched the, I watched the end that uh, most of the the latter of the second half, I think it was like the last six minutes or so um, of Kansas and Texas. And I was just wowed at Kansas's, I mean. Obviously, late, you're going to try and get the ball inside, no matter what, if you're Kansas, because you're just that's that's your identity. But if you can kind of force other guys to beat you on Kansas, you can beat them. I know Texas late. They kind of shut down in Baji They were like, make someone else beat you. Make the other four guys beat you. Let's make it a four on four basketball game. Texas and Texas won. They forced a Kansas turnover late, made their free throws when they had to and they won. But back to West Virginia. Um, they played 11 guys in the rotation last night. Ten of them saw double-digit minutes. I think if you're looking at the Biggs' minutes, you had League with 16, Isaiah with 14, Gabe with 15. Gabe, though, he's going to get more minutes. It was just a matter of he got teed up right going into the locker room. That was his third after two. Very questionable if he uh, if he calls we'll leave it at that um, and then DeMond, DeMond gave you nine minutes uh, we've talked about the minute shares with these guys and they're kind of all even but Isaiah was benched I think that's something Isaiah was the only Mountaineer not to uh make a field goal if you attempted one Gabe didn't attempt one so we're not counting him on that list Isaiah went over two from the field they just need to get a little more production obviously yes they won obviously they out rebounded Iowa State but I think that was more of a group effort as well Taz was your leading rebounder which is questionable especially with a guy coming off a concussion I'm not sure if you want him banging around with some seven foot guys but either way I do want to applaud the bigs because they've been they've been criticized. They've been criticized by us. They've been criticized by everyone for their lack of aggressiveness, their lack of just their lack of being like being a presence inside there. And I think last night you saw a mix of guys who were able to bring that physicality to to the glass and to the inside uh for West Virginia, whether it was on the offense or defensive end. Yeah, they did
1: a good job. Uh, while they didn't like sit there and dominate the game, you know, Paulie gave you a lot of energy and um, gave you some boards. Uh, DeMond, DeMond made a field goal, I, you know, that was pretty surprising. And then he, he got some some boards. Paulie had a few blocks. It was just more exciting as far as watching the big men. Uh, obviously Isaiah struggled, but, you know, give credit when credit's due. They, they came out and played a good game. And we've seen Paulie start once, but it was, who was it again? It was against somebody lesser, was it? it? Was
0: I think it was it was it was against it was against Texas Tech when Taz wasn't there. They went three oh, big. They Okay, went three big with Jb Isaiah and Pauly.
1: Okay, yeah, and he came out. He, he played better. Uh, obviously, Texas Tech is a tougher matchup for him. He's gonna have to be on guys like Marcus Santos Silva, and then uh, you know, if he gets switched, Bryson Williams is 6'8 and can absolutely shoot the ball. So um, playing an Iowa State team. Mm-hmm was better for them and they did a good job. Um, they high-pointed basketballs at some points tonight or last night and just they, they have not been high-pointing the basketball when it comes off the rim this year. So they did a good job.
0: One thing I want to make known, and I want to get your thoughts on this too, Aaron, is I don't want people to feel like this win shouldn't be and shouldn't feel like a big win because it is a big win. Uh, Obviously, you're in the toughest conference in America. You want to get anything you can. But Iowa State was in the top 25 a week ago. If we play if West Virginia played Iowa State this time last week, they'd be playing, they would have been playing the number 20 20th ranked team in the country. And I think now it looks like oh, you just beat a struggling Iowa State team at home. Like anyone could have done that. No, you You give yourself the props of you just beat a top 25 caliber team. And yes, they were struggling, but you were struggling. You were the biggest struggler in the conference. So give yourself the props. You deserve this win. You earned this win. And I just hope they don't uh, devalue how big this win is because it really is a big time win against a top 25
1: Level team, yeah, agreed. Um, Iowa State's been struggling in Big 12 play, but they're a good team. Um, that you know, TJ Otzelberger, he's, he's turned it around. You're talking about a team that went to Xavier, one they went to Memphis, and I know Memphis is kind of struggled, struggle, but that's a big one. They went to Creighton, one they've beaten Iowa, and like that's a pretty good non conference slate that they went 16 and 0 in. Uh, they beat Texas, the team they that beat Texas,
0: like three or four undefeated teams in the country.
1: Yeah, yeah, they were. Um, and then since Big 12 play, they've struggled a little bit, but this team has beaten Texas and Texas Tech. And they're a good team. Isaiah Brockington's a player. Tyrese Hunter's a player. Um, they had a couple shooters last night um, that went off the bench that, that, that killed the Mountaineers early. But, no, they're not a bad team at all. You'll see them in the tournament unless things – unless they the tires completely come off for them. And, and they're a good team. And it's – when you lose seven straight, and you win is a big win – But a team that was number 20 in the country last week, yeah, that's a big win.
0: Yeah, funny story. My tire did completely come off my car on Saturday night, as I did have a flat tire. Uh, Story for another day, that is for sure. Um, If anyone does have any places to get cars fixed and tires fixed, be sure to drop them in the Blue Gold Sports uh, Twitter inbox for me. Uh, Back to basketball. Um, This team – I think they kind of showed and flashed potential last night. We've been looking and we've been desperate for this team to play to their potential and to play hard for 40 minutes. And it was so relieving and such a good and wonderful sight to finally see them actually play to that potential rather than them play to that potential for the first 28 minutes and the last 12 minutes they fall off or they don't play to their potential until the second half. And by that time, it's too little, too late. Just things like that, that have hurt them, that have plagued them over the last month. They were finally able to break their bad habits that they had set over the past month. And I think one of those things is playing for a full 40 minutes.
1: Yeah. And just going forward, I'm just afraid that they're not going to do I I hope they do going forward, but, um, you've seen previous Mountaineer teams where it's like, wow, you know, this is a good basketball team, you know, and well, then you start getting ahead of
0: yourself. Shy away at times too, which is not the greatest thing you want to see. And it kind of keeps that thought in the back of your mind. All right. So like, when's it going to break? When, when are they going to go back to the old same old, same old, you know?
1: Yep. Yep. been looking forward, you know, if, if they, it's, it's hard to ask this team or anything to go out, and hey, you know, shoot 50% from the field again. Do that for another two games. It's a hard ask, but putting the ball in the basket in general has sometimes been a struggle when it's not Taz Sherman. And every fifth or sixth or seventh night, it's not Sean McNeil. You know, so getting that going forward, people that can put the ball in the back. Give you seven from Seth Wilson tonight. Give you, you know, give me 14 from Jalen Bridges tonight. Keeping that going forward is gonna be big for WV.
0: Yeah, Iowa State, I'm looking at it right now, they've only given given up less than 62 points per game to their opponents this season. West Virginia just hung 80 on them. So don't think Iowa State was a good win. Iowa State's a top four defensive team in this conference, and the Mountaineers just put up 80 points. So don't think this cannot translate over to a team like Kansas, to a team like Texas Tech if they see them again, to any of these teams in this conference, because West Virginia has the – guard talent to hang with anyone it's just a matter of who else can step up and if they can continue to find guys like Seth Wilson, Jalen Bridges, Malik Curry to find scoring for them and they continue to maximize as much value as they can get from guys like Isaiah Cottrell I think this team can start stringing together wins and I know we've been saying they what they can do to win but we finally saw them actually do those things last night and hopefully and I am predicting, Aaron, I know I'm going out on a limb here. I do think they will start to after they've seen themselves do it, I think that is a way they can kind of propel themselves forward.
1: Yeah, I agree. It's it's gonna be it's gonna be tough with this with the slate coming up. But you know, if you can get guys like like Seth Wilson to keep scoring and just guys that maybe aren't gonna be the story every night, but maybe maybe Kobe Johnson, maybe. Maybe a Kedrian Johnson or maybe you know Polly Polycap, somebody that can give you four or five or night. That that's big. Um, that's gonna propel them to a couple more wins if they can keep up the consistency, keep knocking down free throws. And you know, defense has got to be good going forward and not let you know everybody's best players have wide open threes all night.
0: Yeah, Caleb Grill, I wanted to point his name out. He went four or six from the field. All all six shots were from beyond the arc. And he was kind of. It was kind of a okay, okay. He's heating up. He's heating up. He's heating up. Don't let him heat up too much. Mountaineers seem to kind of control that. Figure him out. Figure the Iowa State offense out. And Iowa State's now struggled offensively in two straight games. Like they've they scored forty three points on Saturday. Come out, obviously you score a few more in sixty three, but they they they're built on their defense, and so they can't allow teams to score more than seventy points if they're going to want to win games down the stretch and do I think the Iowa State team the tournament team heck yeah I do but I just think there's glaring weaknesses with this Iowa State team if they cannot defend but I also think there's glaring weaknesses with West Virginia just like Iowa State if West Virginia can't find put the ball in the basket so it goes it goes without saying West Virginia got a good win they still need to get more wins and it's just a matter of where they can find those wins from
1: Yep, they're going to have to start grinding them out. Um, it wasn't as hard yesterday, especially when you're shooting 22 to 44 from the field um, and you got a team that's, that's not scoring all that well as far as their starting, starting lineup goes. Um, they're going to have to start grinding them out. And, you know, I can foresee in the next two road games, either Avery Anderson, Nigel Pack, or both are going to explode and, and have big games against the Mountaineers. We've seen it before. Nigel Pack, Avery Anderson, the Boone brothers – They can score and they can have their way against the Mountaineers. So if they do, you're going to have to combat that, combat their runs and score with them. And can the
0: Mountaineers do that? I think they can. It's
1: just a matter of of will they going forward.
0: And I think they can because they also have Taz Sherman back. And I think him coming back, is a humongous deal. And I think with him, you're just a totally different team on both sides of the floor. He's a leader. He's their guy. He's their let's we look up to him to lead us just like this team looked up to Deuce McBride last year. So I think having him is a big deal because you have that guy where you can give him the ball and be like go win us a game or go find space, get to the line, kick it out draw a double, you know, like he is so good that he just draws so much attention and it should help the rest of this offense flow.
1: Yep, Taz, Taz is that guy. Um, we've seen that since the beginning of the year. We've seen it since last year. I remember seeing it in spurts that first year he was here. He didn't get a whole lot of time. They went down at Baylor and they were getting killed and Taz just took over the game. And that was his first year, and we saw a lot of it last year, and we've seen it all this year. He's that guy. He can get you a bucket when when you need a bucket, if you you know whether it come from the stripe, whether it come from inside the arc or or outside the arc. Um, he, he's a great he's a great leader. He's just a natural scorer, and you just you saw what kind of a team WVU is compared to when they're without him. I thought they played a hard hard game, hard tough game against a good Texas Tech team without him, but. Look Look! Look at where they are with them. And going back to the Baylor game, he scored, what, 29 points? He should have been the one leading them to victory down the stretch, and he gets knocked out. And you saw the team they were without him in those final three or four minutes. So he's that guy, and, you know, getting his confidence up is is big because um, it doesn't take much for him to get going.
0: One thing – one more thing that I wanted to highlight is – The My favorite thing I saw from last night's game, besides West Virginia winning, was them finally having success on a baseline out-of-bounds play. They had three baseline out-of-bounds plays where they scored points directly off that, and that was due to Taz Sherman. Sherman hit two mid-range jumpers and a three-pointer off those plays, and I wrote them down because at the time I said, oh my gosh, no way they just did that. Um... This team has just turned the ball over pretty much consistently. Whenever they've had a baseline out of bounds play, and it was such, it was so good to finally see them connect on a th- not just one but three of them, and they all came because of Taz Sherman. And I think those plays are the type of plays that are the difference between wins and losses. And if you're thinking about it, that that's seven points right there. If you don't have those seven points, this is a lot closer ball game. And if it turns into a live ball turnover, that's points for Iowa state. So that's big time taking advantage of every possession with the ball is big time. And I think they valued the basketball. They tried to not turn it over. And when they did turn it over, you saw them get yanked. I know there was one point in the second half, Keity kind of had the ball near the baseline and he kind of just, it just kind of got away from him and immediately Malik Curry was put off the bench, Keating was put on the bench. And so I think having that accountability with this team of, all right, we've got to take care of the basketball as priority one is key going forward.
1: Yep, yeah, yeah. Um, it's at the point of season where if you're if you're turning the ball over left and right, you need to sit down. If your plus, plus minus is always minus, you need to sit down. And to go back on your point of the inbound plays, they look good, and those are, like you said, Vital seven points right there. Um, With Taz Sherman back and with his confidence up, you got to run those plays to him. What I want to see, I want to see some inbound plays where, you know, Sean can get a look or even JB. Um, I want them to keep going through Taz for him, but every now and then catch somebody off guard and go JB or go Sean and get them an open look from deep. And, And I think that'll get their confidence up to get quick buckets instead of giving up transition buckets. So um, that was a good turnaround for the Mountaineers yesterday.
0: Yeah. And I think getting other guys involved then makes other teams think about those other guys. And then it leads to Sherman possibly getting involved too, which is good. Like having multiple guys on offense who can score is good. And this team showed that last night and they showed how lethal they can be scoring almost 80 points. Uh, Game balls for me, I want to give one to Taz, obviously, coming back from the concussion, scoring 16 points. That's exactly what you need from him. Sean, I'm going to give him one, too. We didn't really call Sean's name, but we really should have. Four or six from the field. Perfect. Oh, yeah. Perfect from beyond the arc. 13 points, a very quiet 13 points, but a very huge 13 points. And then Malik Curry, I was super impressed how he kind of took over the game late. He wanted the ball, put the ball in his hands, drove to the drove to the line, um, got fouled, made his free throws, made it and one, connected on the – finished the three-point play kind of to ice the game, I, I think. And so just having guys that are confident and that want the ball, I think that's the biggest thing because when you want the ball – you're confident like good things happen but when you're like ah who, 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 who am I going to pass it to when you have an open shot that's one thing you start getting into the troubled waters if you're West Virginia
1: yep agreed my game balls I'm going to go I'm going to go Taz is the obvious one I can't say enough about the heart and the fight he's got and he shows us day in and day out um, the injury the COVID um, situation. He just gave the Mountaineers so much yesterday, um, a, sh- a real shot in the arm. But then I'm gonna give the other one to Seth Wilson. Uh, I just, I couldn't really, I, I, I could see him or Kobe Johnson getting a three or, or something like that, but I did not see that little 7-0 run of himself happening. Um, him getting to the bucket, showing us he can make a three, showing us he can make a, a long shot from inside the three-point line. Um, it just, it showed me a lot and hopefully that he can get that going. Towards the end of the season, I think he could he could be he could be a real player for the Mountaineers going forward into his sophomore year. So I'll give him the second game ball.
0: One more thing for me, um, kind of more on a fun note, there was a special guest in attendance uh, on Tuesday. Obviously, if you haven't heard, Roy Williams, former uh, head basketball coach at the University of North Carolina, inducted into the Naismith Basketball Hall of Fame. One of the greatest coaches ever. He was there. He had never been to a game at the Coliseum. Uh, Huggins told of a story how when he was coaching a a basketball camp, uh, him and Roy were together and Williams came up to Huggins and he he seemed a little worried at first and Huggins said, don't worry. The guys you recruit, I can't get, and the guys I recruit, you don't want, which I thought was a funny story, and I think that is kind of indicative of who Bob Huggins is. He's different. He's not the normal Blue Bud, Bill Self, Mike Krzyzewski, Roy Williams. He's going to go after all the five stars. He's going to go get his guys who fit him and who fit his personality. I just thought it was cool seeing a coach of that magnitude, a coach who has that much respect for Bob Huggins, and, and a coach who everyone has respect for, uh, come to the Coliseum. He he kind of hyped up the student section before the game. It looked like know uh, it was all on the, on the other side of the court for me, uh, from where my seat was and from where I was seated uh, for media. But he he just seemed to enjoy the environment and kind of enjoy the moment. And I thought it was a cool sight to see.
1: Yeah, he did. I'm glad it came. I remember a year or two ago, I saw something where he said. Um, you know, one place that he hasn't got the coach at that he would like to. And he said the WVU Coliseum, I was like, wow, you know, a guy that's coaching all these games against, you know, Carolina Duke and how many – he won 300-plus games with Kansas, so he played at Allen Field – or he coached at Allen Fieldhouse. And he wanted to come to Morgantown. Um, I love the story about hugs and, and the recruits and all that. He's a great coach, and it was great to see him. As far as me, when I sat down last night, I was sitting, you know, up top. But I got a pretty good eye. I was like, you know, is that Roy Williams? Like, why would Roy Williams he texted, be here? He texted
0: me there, is that Roy Williams on the court? And I was taking photos. And I was like, yeah, that's Roy Williams on
1: the court. Yeah, I was up top, but and I, he wasn't even in my direction. But I, I saw I saw his um, his hair. I was like, that kind of that kind of looks like Roy Williams. And once I saw him cutting up with uh, with hugs and laughing and hugging him, I'm like, yeah, you no, know, that's him. Uh, it was good to see him get the, the students hyped up. And it was really good to see him take off that little sweater vest and put on a WVU sweatshirt. I thought that was really cool.
0: Yeah, he's just a class act. And I think you have people who are just role models and they are ambassadors for the game of basketball and they're ambassadors for college basketball. And he's one of those guys. And he's one of those guys that will have the ultimate respect from everyone across the board uh, for as long as he lives. And I think it was just really cool to see – at least from – like, obviously not up close and personal, but it was just cool to witness the respect and the level of love so many basketball fans just have for him. And I think – and I, I I don't like saying it this way because I think it makes – it's it's not something that's true. I just think it's a generalization. I just don't think Bob Huggins has that type of street cred, if you want to say. I think people within the game recognize Huggins as the coach and as the Hall of Fame coach that he is. But if we're being honest, he should have been in the Hall of Fame a little while ago. And I think the fact that he's not in the Hall of Fame yet kind of speaks to a, I don't want to say a bias, but more of a he's not a blue blood coach and he's done things that blue blood coaches have and he's done it a different way. And I think when he, when people go away from the normal way of doing things, it draws questions. It draws concern. And obviously the whole Cincinnati thing happened, but he's been at West Virginia and he's built his legacy at West Virginia. And I do think he's deserving of getting in the hall of fame. I do think people within the game realize that, but unfortunately for Huggins, I don't think, More of the casual basketball fan and more of the casual sport fans realize the impact he's had and the accomplishments he's really had and the things he's done, like the Roy Williamses. Obviously, Huggins hasn't won national champions, national championships, excuse me. He's not in the Hall of Fame yet, but he has more wins than Roy Williams all time, and just seeing seeing those two together kind of you can you can just draw a comparison between the two coaches and obviously it's not the best thing in the world for West Virginia fans as we all know who Bob Huggins is and how we adore him and how he's kind of an ambassador for the state but it's the reality and I just want to kind of get your thoughts on that Aaron
1: yeah it is the reality it's the reality is he's not a blue blood coach at Kansas Kentucky Duke um, UNC Villanova stuff like that but he's done it I mean he's He's won more games than Roy Williams. He's right there. What is he? Third active all time behind Coach K and Bayheim. It's it's an utter disgrace that he's not in the Hall of Fame, but it's not really a surprise. Um, what?
0: Hopefully this year.
1: Yeah. Yeah. You can hope. I just hope that they get it right before, you know, times up to where Hugs, I want Hugs to enjoy it. Um, I think, who was, I think it was Youngstown State's head coach. He used to, president of basketball ops up here. He says, like you know, guys, build the statue already. Like, don't wait, build the statue now, so Hugs can enjoy it now. I think it's the same thing with the Hall of Fame. He's done. He's won over 900 games, and if their if their argument is is the the no national championships, I don't buy it, because you know I think it's somewhat of a West Virginia treatment. He's not a blue blood coach. He's done it with Cincinnati and West Virginia. He's done it differently. He's done the treadmill thing. He's done. Um, you know, getting guys that press ninety-four feet at AAU tournaments at eight in the morning. He's done it a different way, different style, but he should be in. He should be in now. He should have been in five years ago. So, those are my thoughts.
0: What Bob Huggins means to not only the state of West Virginia, but where would this basketball program be if it, he did not come here in the mid early two thousands? Like it
1: would, be, it would be bad. It would it, be bad.
0: It's crazy to see the impact one person has. And I think whenever he does decide to retire, whenever he does say call it quits, I think the amount of love and the amount of support and the amount of recognition he will get, not only from the university, but from just people in general will be a really cool thing to see. I think you'll see, I mean, if I just, I'm just going off of what other schools has done. I wouldn't be surprised if they named that court on the Coliseum, the Bob Huggins court. Like mm-hmm. one, that's number one. Like Carolina did with Roy Williams. That's the Roy Williams court in Carolina. I think it's the Coach K court and two. Like yeah, yep. so many schools have done that. I wouldn't be surprised if they do that here. He's gonna get a statue. Um he's gonna get they're gonna they're gonna roll out the red carpet for him and then some and I just think just thinking about it now, obviously I don't want him to retire. I don't think anyone around this program in this school wants him to retire but He's going to get his and he's going to get what he deserves. And I think he deserves a lot more than the recognition he gets now.
1: Yeah. And he, he wants to win. He, I love him because he loves the state so much and he wants to win so bad for the state and for these people. I mean, you've heard him say, if we were to ever, if the Mountaineers were to ever win a national championship, he would just get them all on a bus and take it to every town and it's like, well, it's me at the, the hot dog stand in this town and just have everybody that wants to come touch the trophy Take a picture with it. They can do that. And you just don't hear that from other coaches. Uh, he really knows what it means to be a West Virginian, and he uh, because he's been he's been here. He played for the Mountaineers. He's been around here pretty much his whole life, so he knows what it means, and that's why he's so lovable. And he deserves more than what he's gotten as far as recognition nationwide. But he'll get it. Like you said, it's he's going to get his.
0: He recognizes how hard the people in the state of West Virginia work. He realizes the mentality so many West Virginians have. And he realizes that so many people look up at West Virginia University and at the sports at West Virginia University like a religion. And he realizes that the people in the state think of West Virginia football, West Virginia basketball and other sports too in the school as something that is bigger and that represents all of them in the state. And he tries to embody that in every single thing he does. And I also think he tries to embody that with the players he's he recruits. And I think going back to that Roy Williams story, that's one of the things that is the biggest thing is that he recognizes that there is a fan base. There is a fan base that is desperate for winning. There is a fan base that will give this team support. And there is a, a fan base that will give this team the love no matter what. You saw on these over the last seven games, like, fans were still showing up. Fans were still showing out to the Coliseum. They were still being loud. They were still behind this team because they love this team. And so many people in the state love this team. And I think Bob Huggins represents it all. And it's it's crazy to think about how good of a coach he is and how even just a better like person he is. And the way he embodies everyone in the state of West Virginia is something that is just remarkable to me. Yep
1: he he gets the uh, he tries to embody the work ethic of himself and and the re- west the rest of West Virginia in his players and he recruits those type of guys just I can't get over the the Javon Carter story he eight in the morning he just got his tall coffee and he sees a guy pressing ninety four feet his team's not pressing Javon's the only hey, one pressing and I just thought it was hilarious he he called one of his guys he's like we got to sign this guy. And I think it was Larry Harrison, he's like, Well, can he shoot? Can he do anything else? And Hugs was like, I don't know. He can defend and he tries he to
0: care. He cares Huggs that he cares. works he hard does, he and up and he plays yeah. hard.
1: He tries to defend. So those are the type of guys he wants. And you just don't see that kind of that kind of association with players to a blue blood or to a not a blue blood, but a blue collar state, like what Hugs has done with West Virginia. It's it's just so unique.
0: If we're being honest too and this might, you, you could, you could disagree if you want. I think when there is 14,000 inside that Coliseum, sure. They'll get hyped for a three-pointer. Sure. They'll get hyped for a dunk But when they see those guys running up and down the floor, diving for loose balls, doing all of the dirty work, working hard, playing their butts off. That's why they love Gabe. Like they love Gabe because he plays so freaking hard and he, He is who they are. Like, he is who the state is. He is who the people who he plays for are. And I think that's what this fan base loves. Like, obviously, they love winning. But when you kind of hear the groans when you see a loose ball and you see other teams get it and you see West Virginia kind of just their players kind of just watch it, but these fans stand up and cheer when they see guys playing hard and they let, you know, like they will let you know when they appreciate you. And I just think that's what the Huggins looks for is guys who will just put in the effort. And I think if they put in the effort, he's all right with losing because he wants guys that will work hard no matter what.
1: Yeah. Um, yeah. When like Keegan Johnson dove for a loose ball yesterday, I don't even think the Mountaineers scored off of it, but there's a standing ovation and they are two and six in league play heading to the Texas Tech game. And that place was darn near full. So, you know, I know there's been some social media interaction and all, but I hope this team realizes that the state is behind them. This fan base is behind them. Like how many other D1 Power 5 programs would be two and six in conference play and you still get 14K out there that are allowed? This this is a very unique university in the state. Um, WVU is the, is the pro team of the state. And I hope these players realize even like fifth year seniors that have like just got here. I hope they realize that they do have a fan base behind them, even though they're three and seven in conference play. They still have that, that fan support.
0: Yeah. Looking at attendance numbers real quick. Iowa state, a Tuesday night game after a seven game win streak, 11,191. That's pretty good. Texas tech on a six game win streak at home without your best player, almost uh, over 12 and a half thousand. Um, then you look at it, Oklahoma, almost eleven thousand. Baylor, Baylor was a five PM game on a Tuesday.
1: That's a tough. Yeah, that's tough. They
0: got almost thirteen thousand people here, and I think that just goes to show how much this state appreciates this team, how much they appreciate their sports, and Bob Huggins just a. Am- he's that guy. He's the guy who can put it all together. If there was one person who represented the people of the state, the way this basketball team is, if there was one person that sh- represented hard work, dedication, showing up early, staying in late, getting the job done, it's Bob Huggins. He deserves to be in the Hall of Fame. That's my rant. Floor is yours.
1: That, that, that's it. I've already said my piece on hugs and, how, you know, what I feel about it. He obviously deserves to be in um i'm just so glad that i've gotten to grow i've got to grow up and, and watch him um you know they haven't always been good like a couple years after the final four year some they had some bad teams they had some teams that did not embody the state of west virginia and looked like ADD, a,
0: that that. 2019 yeah. year it was, it was a hard year
1: well i'm t- i'm talking before that i'm talking yeah I, I know, know what you're
0: talking about i'm just saying
1: the, even the, the terry henderson's of the world the the Jabari Hines of the world, I like not to rip on those guys, but, you know, they they shot the ball well, but the, it wasn't a West Virginia basketball team. And a lot of people had their doubts on Hugs, you know, is he going to pack it up and stuff? And he went out and, and created Press Virginia. I just, not many people have gotten to um, grow up with a coach that good. Um, and, yeah, he obviously deserves to be in the Hall of Fame, and it's just, it's a tragedy that he's not in there already but he'll get his, like you said, and that's my rant. I've said my piece as well.
0: Hopefully when he gets his people around the college basketball world realize the significance of what he's done. And I think they will. Um, you have anything else, Aaron, or uh, we good to go? No, that's about it for me. Well, that's gonna be it from us today on the BlueGoldSports.com podcast. Again, West Virginia beats Iowa State, breaks the seven-game losing streak, and now they've got the next the next month. Uh, March fifth is their last home. This is their last conference game of the year, so they have until then to kind of make waves, make noise, heading into Kansas City, and then heading hopefully into an NCAA tournament bid. Until then, until next time, uh, we will join you, I think, probably we'll give you a preview for Oklahoma State, you think, on Friday, and then uh, give you a post-game reaction then. If you're still listening, we really do appreciate it. This is the BlueGoldSports.com podcast. I'm Wesley Shoemaker, joined by Aaron Parker, and thank you for listening.